1: Welcome to Show Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. This week, as always, I'm joined by Stefan Chin. Hey there. Uh, what's your tagline? 2D6 plus 4. That's a pretty powerful hit. Sam Schultz is also here with us. Hello. Sam, what's your tagline? Half man, half Pop-Tart. Ooh, well, that's what happens. <laughs> I've been eating a lot of them. I walked by the Pop-Tarts in the grocery store just a couple days ago, and I, I looked at them solidly for a long time. Uh-huh. They looked back, but I <laughs> I blinked them away. I hadn't even thought about them in
0: like 20 years.
1: Yeah. But all of a sudden... I think about pop darts all the time. Uh, Sari Riley is also here with us. Sari, what's your tagline? That's a good rock. And I'm Hank Green, and my tagline is mystery scent. Every week here on Size Tangents, we get together to try to one-up a maze and delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, but we're also keeping score and awarding sand Bucks from week to week. We do everything we can to stay on topic, but judging by previous conversations, we won't be great at that. So if the rest of the team deems the tangent unworthy, we will force you to give up one of your sandbox. So tangent with care. And now, as always, we introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem. This week, from me everyone wait for it what's on my floor what's on the floor
0: (laughs) Hank has taken out a guitar
1: somebody once told me the world was gonna roll me I'm round and being carefully aimed I've been pumped up with some air and some people really care when I go in the goal during the game well, they keeps keep coming, and they don't stop coming. Everywhere I go, there's more guys running. Always on the move, never get any rest. I'm starting to think that they might be obsessed. Oh, just once, I'd like to sit around, maybe find a nice hill to roll down. But the whistle blew, so now I'm back. And suddenly, I'm being attacked. Oh, hey, now, I'm the game ball, and I never <laughs> get bored. Oh, hey, now, <laughs> Hall of Fame ball. And I see now I've scored, and someday I'll do- develop a hole but until then i'll go for the gold <laughs>
0: That was really good. It also yeah. made it sound like you don't know the names
1: of any specific sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was picturing a soccer ball. Uh, but this okay. wasn't a great like way to fit that into the meter of the song. I'd say two points are Is in it? order for that one. Yeah.
3: yeah I you concur. think?
1: Yeah. Ooh, ooh. That's why I need it so bad. I worked hard on it. I can't. I just can't get the all-star out of my brain. Yeah,
2: you and Smash Mouth both worked really hard on that column. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. You can't
1: discount <laughs> their contribution to this. <laughs> so the topic for the day is not balls, unfortunately. Maybe that's coming up in the future, <laughs> but it is games. So, Sari, what's a game?
2: I looked around for this a lot, and it seems like there are lots of different definitions for game. But what mm-hmm. they all had in common was they're a form of play, especially When they're competitive or structured in some way, and usually for entertainment or fun or sometimes education. So it's not work and it's not art. And then in between that is
1: game. (laughs) There are only three things. Yeah.
2: (laughs) The three genders, work, art, or game.
1: (laughs) Is sport a kind of game?
2: I think so. I would consider a sport a type of play.
1: All sports are games, but not
3: all games are sports. Yeah. But there's, like, within sports and a lot of different kinds of gambling,
1: there are professionals who are working by playing the game, too. Yeah, explain Oh, that. yeah, mm. now they're working. Mm. And they're also, like, sometimes the the way they move their bodies is a kind of art. It's that place <laughs> where it all intersects <laughs> in the middle. But, yeah, we're not going to get to the bottom of what a game is, I think. Yeah. So yeah. We just move there on. Are,
2: there are plenty of people who are studying play and games to various degrees, whether it's, like, how mm-hmm. to write a video game script or how to design board games or, like, Mm -hmm. how do children play? And Mm -hmm. those are all, like, different fields of neuroscience and sociology and psychology and different things. So it's broad.
1: Did you discover the etymology of the word game?
2: Yeah, I did. So it is from the Proto-Germanic ga, which is G-A, which is just a, like, collective prefix, so it means like a collective, plus man, which is person, so ga-man, basically, (laughs) which is people together. So games are inherently a social thing. They didn't have solitaire in Old English, (laughs) apparently, Uh. which are also coincidentally the same roots as gambling. So gamble and game Mm. come from the same sort of place in linguistic history. And so then it went from being people together to being like, amusement or pleasure or, or joy-related.
1: Mm-hmm. And now it is time for Truth. One of our panelists, it's Sam, has prepared three science facts for our education and enjoyment, but only one of those facts is real. The rest of us have to figure it out, either by deduction or a wild guess, which is the true fact. If we do, we get a Sam buck. If we're tricked, then Sam gets the Sam buck. Sam, what are your three facts? Association
0: football, a.k.a. soccer... Is the most popular sport in the world. Even Americans, who are notorious soccer haters, are starting to admit that maybe it's not so, like, dumb, I guess. They like it now. Soccer's pretty cool. And all that popularity means there's a lot of science and innovation happening around soccer, some of it more useful than others. Here are some weird soccer science inventions, but only one of them is real. Number one. One of the most soccery parts of soccer is the rowdy fans in the stadium. Crowds mm-hmm. can be whipped up by defeat or victory and can get dangerous really fast, and noise levels in arenas are often high enough to damage hearing. So, researchers are developing a sort of noise canceling sound system to be installed in Ooh. arenas that analyzes crowd noise with machine okay, learning. Cool. And when the crowd starts to get too loud or angry, the sound system would play a counter sound that would. Have the goal of deadening the sound and hopefully calming everyone down. Oh, so not only is it there
1: to protect their ears, but it's also there to protect them from each other. Uh
0: Uh-huh, from getting too mad Mm -hmm. about sports. Number two soccer played by humans that's very boring so a group of roboticists from around the world got together to start RoboCup, a soccer tournament featuring leagues of robots of all shapes and sizes and even hypothetical simulated ones with the goal of creating a flawless team of super soccer robots that can defeat a professional soccer team in regulation play number three soccer rules can get really confusing even for professional soccer players, and no rule is more vexing than the dreaded offsides rule, which I read and still don't really know what it is. But uh, I think it says that a player can't be any closer to a goal than the ball or the closest mm-hmm. opposing player. Uh, And it's really easy to screw up and be in the wrong place and get the other team a free kick. So work is being done to develop sporty sunglasses that calculate where offside is in real time and display a line that you can't cross on a hood inside the sunglasses. And that's for the soccer player?
1: And that's for a soccer player. Oh my god. Okay. So our three facts are a noise-canceling arena system so that the crowd doesn't get too loud or too riled up. To Robo RoboCup, a soccer tournament featuring leagues of robots and even hypothetical simulated ones to create a flawless soccer team able to defeat a professional soccer team in regulation play. Or a pair of glasses that give you a heads-up display that shows you where offsides is at any given moment in time. So you'd have to wear sunglasses while you're playing, or playing like, yeah, soccer. like like goggles of some sort. Yeah, I feel like at that point you're cheating. I mean, it's just helping you not break the rules. Well, but in football, like, well,
3: American football. Excuse me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're watching on TV, you get you have all these overlays now where you can see like the line of yep. scrimmage and all that. But like, if the players could see that, I feel like that would be. I mean, I guess everyone can see it, but. I don't know. Then you're gonna not get as many offsides penalties, and that's no fun. It's more exciting <laughs> with the yeah. penalties.
0: Do you watch soccer, Stefan?
3: No. Okay.
0: So you don't know if it's more. Or less I, exciting I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: It does to me feel like something that you give to the referees, not the players, though. Like they're the cops yeah. of sports who stand on the sidelines and are like, "You've gone yeah. over the line," and they don't have those yellow lines. They just have human eyes. But giving yeah, them lines right. seems helpful.
1: That was my first thought, too, is that it'd be useful for for refs before players because, like, players aren't going to want to wear something on their face. But, like, nobody's saying that this is a thing... That they're going to use. They're saying it's a thing that someone is trying to develop. Yeah, a which bunch is. of dorks mm-hmm. in some lab somewhere. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> For their rec soccer leagues, so they can become the best and win their little
1: trophy. So RoboCup, I, I guess the near-term goal is to have two teams of robots playing against each other. And the, the long-term goal is for them to defeat the the soccer players, because it feels a, we're a long way away from being able to defeat a soccer player. I've seen soccer players. I've seen those those latest Boston Dynamics robots videos where they like parkour yeah. and stuff. I would not fight that in soccer or No, at, I, in, I would definitely not fight it. Like, I wouldn't want to hand-to-hand it. Stefan, what do you think soccer is? <laughs> yeah, Wait, do, they have swords, right? <laughs> it's a lot of
3: punching. It's a lot of punching. <laughs>
1: I mean, I could see robots playing against each other. I could not see them playing against people. I don't care how fancy Mm. your Boston Dynamics is. I could see
3: that as a great, like, way to incentivize robotics teams to develop better more maneuverable robots or whatever, is to, like, compete in yeah. this RoboCup
1: league.
2: Yeah, and if you have something like BattleBots with robots destroying each other, you can have, a <laughs> like, a ball bot that kicks the ball around. That, that seems achievable yeah. to me, knowing very little about robotics.
1: And then finally, we have our noise-canceling sound system, which, if this is, like, technically possible, there's got to be somebody working on it. It may be that it's, like, just not a thing that's possible, but if it's possible, I feel like, yes! Somebody's got to be thinking about this. Like, I know that it's, of course, possible inside of headphones. Yeah. But that's, like, one person with one set of headphones, which is very different from, like, giant 60,000-person stadiums. I don't know a lot about,
3: like, stadium or, like, concert audio. The acoustics seem complicated It seems much more complicated than doing headphones to me.
1: Regardless, I'm going for that one. (laughs) Oh. It
2: it does feel like something a lot of people could use. My dad is a big football fan, which you wouldn't expect coming from my family, but they love the sports. And he brings earplugs to every football game to put them in his ears like he's going to a loud (laughs) concert so that he can yell (laughs) as loud as he wants and also protect his hearing. So I'm sure there are plenty of also hearing conscious people who would like Mm -hmm. a sound dampening system. Um, But I'm going for robo soccer because Ooh, i would Robo like boys.
1: to see the robots oh boy i mean there's gotta be robots playing each other in soccer there's not like that's a thing that's definitely <laughs> yeah. a thing. i'm sticking with my answer but that's gotta be a <laughs> thing so since hank
3: is locked in i'm just gonna say that i really don't think that the noise canceling stadium is a thing because you can't it's control possible. like with the headphones you can you know how far <laughs> it is to the ear so you can control the phase Cause that's what it is. You need like exactly yeah. out of phase audio to cancel it out, and you can control that. Uh-huh. But with in yeah. a stadium, you can't control the phase to everyone's ears. They're all in different places.
1: But wouldn't you know where they all were to a certain degree? Uh, maybe. Maybe Hank yeah, knows something. Yeah, my thing is that you know. have like you have like a distributed system of many speakers, so it's not like one noise canceling for the whole stadium. It's like that every it little harder. Area gets its own. Okay, well st- <laughs> Okay, well I'm going <laughs> no, with RoboCup. i
0: The second RoboCup. Okay, so you ready for the right answer? The right answer is yeah. RoboCup. Ooh. but ah. my noise canceling idea is pretty good, right?
1: We <laughs> can figure except that he, except that yeah. Stefan's a freaking audio engineer. He can think <laughs> He's that's not. even better. He can help me. He can help you know how impossible it is. Well which is what okay. he that's what every inventor
0: hears before they invent, you know, the automobile or whatever. It's yeah. impossible. Yeah. Right. Okay, right. so the RoboCup, I'll start with that one. It's real. Like I said, it started in 1997 and 2019 was the 23rd RoboCup. What? what? So oh, wow. 1997? What the yeah. hell? It started with a goal very similar to Deep Blue, which defeated Gary Kasparov in 1997 as well. Except uh, at soccer, it, would, it wants to defeat humanity at soccer. And it started out with just a simulated league, but it's grown to have tons of leagues and sub leagues, like the humanoid league, which has kid, teen, and adult size sub leagues. And uh, <laughs> the simulation league now has two uh, D leagues and three D leagues, and then Whoa. it has all kinds of like non-humanoid size categories for more like battlebot type soccer playing robots. <laughs> And the stated goal of beating a World Cup team by the middle of the century is secondary, like Stefan said, to having fun and to being like a good challenge for roboticists. They do want to, by the middle of the century, make a team that can beat humanity. There's one league called the like Standard T- League where it's everybody gets the same robot body, but they all have their own programming for it, right. And they all right. go against each other, and they look like little babies playing soccer.
1: <laughs> they do. And they just fall over all the time. Yeah, I'm watching them. Over it's the really good. They are not close to being able to defeat no, a human. They're not. I will say from watching <laughs> this. They're not
0: particularly <laughs> good at soccer, but they're as good as like a toddler that knows the rules of soccer, which is pretty good. Yeah. For being only from 1997 until now. Sam, I'm
1: just going to be watching cute. robots play soccer. Oh, that <laughs> one fell down again. Uh, this is like my entire rest of my night. The crowd noise thing is fake, but crowd noise. Crowd noise in
0: arenas of sports of all types is a huge problem. Sports crowds tend to be about 90 decibels and hearing damage starts at 85 decibels. But vuvuzuelas, vuvuzelas, yeah. which are pretty much banned all over the place now, but they were huge in the early 2010s, they can be 127 decibels, Ooh, which is no mostly why they were bad. banned because they were just like shredding people's <laughs> hearing. Uh, the best I could find in terms of actual like ideas for sound mitigation was just earplugs like sari's dad does so Mm -hmm. he's ahead of the curb
1: (laughs) it's a low-tech solution i'd say yeah not nearly as high-tech as this terrifying (laughs) spider robot that i'm watching play soccer right now (laughs) i gotta stop watching robots (laughs) play soccer but we'll link to some uh good soccer robot videos on SciShowTangents.org. i'll I'll Uh, track down as many
0: as i can find because it's great and then researchers are using machine learning on crowds at some sporting events I guess to figure out like what pe- makes people most excited. So they can stop that from happening so that it's really boring and quiet. <laughs> There's a the thought that they could anticipate where fights are going to break out with it, but oh. that was very early uh-huh. from what I could find. And mm, then okay. the HUD glasses... Are not a thing for soccer as far as I know, but there's HUDs being integrated into lots of like swimming goggles and goggles that people who ride bikes wear so they can see oh. like elevation, temperature, and vital signs and how fast they're mm-hmm. going. And now there are football helmets, like prototype football helmets that can display plays and they can respond to like verbal commands so they can hear the person shouting the play and then show it on the HUD yeah. of your football helmet. But those are just used in like experimental practice scenarios right now. Probably because they break into a million pieces if you hit them, is my guess. And they also, they have cameras in them so that you can, like, pull up their view to show to, like, people at home, I think, is the idea. I want to be inside of I- a
1: quarterback's actual head.
3: The thing is, though, I feel like I've heard, like, streams of, like, football players helmets while they're on the field and it's not that exciting because
1: they're just like a lot of jiggling around next up we're gonna take a short break and then it'll be time for the fact off scishow tangents is brought to you by rocket money if i asked you how many subscription services you had you think you could name them all And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it.
2: And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S.
1: Sideshow Tangents is brought to you by Factor, whose ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning. Stress is stressful. (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) Life just goes and goes, and it doesn't ever stop going. There's always something else to do, and one of those things, is a very important thing called eating dinner. To eat dinner, one must pick out what they want to eat and then go to the grocery store and then (sighs) buy the stuff and then chop the stuff and do other things to this stuff. You have to heat this stuff and put it in water. And then afterwards, you have to, Welcome back, everybody. Sandbuck totals. Everybody would be tied with one, but I got an extra point for doing a a parody version of Smash Mouth's All-Star, so (laughs) I'm in the lead with two. Now get ready for the fact-off. Two panelists have brought science facts to present to the others in an attempt to blow our minds. We each have a Sandbuck to award the fact we like the most, but if we hate both of them, we can just throw our fact away. And we're going to decide who goes first, with this trivia
0: question. Since we are recording this episode on Hank's birthday, happy birthday, Hank. So in celebration of birthdays and Hank's love of Tetris, when is the developer of Tetris, Alexei Pajitnov's birthday?
2: September 30th,
3: 1946. All right.
2: 46. <laughs> I don't know. It just came out, Stefan. <laughs> Uh, the spirit of Alexi moved me.
3: I feel like, I don't know when Tetris was developed, maybe like late 80s, early 90s or something. And it feels like something an early 30s person would develop.
1: <laughs> oh, so maybe wow. Being
3: 1959. Oh, wow.
0: So the answer is April 16th, 1955.
3: Ooh, oh, good that's job. actually Stephen. pretty close. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll, I'd like Sari to go first.
2: Okay. So play in animals is kind of a biological mystery. It seems hmm. like it's something that should be straightforward like they play fight or chase a ball or are goofy and we love them, and that those all have purposes. So play fighting might train them to defend themselves or being goofy with us could increase their social behavior or decrease aggression but not all behaviors fit neatly into a box of a of a theory for play and for games. And so we don't really have anything really conclusive besides it's fun and maybe lowers stress or improves coordination, but researchers are particularly interested in studying play because it's tricky and interesting to understand and one group of scientists at the Humboldt University of Berlin gave it a go in 2019 by teaching rats how to play hide-and-seek. They didn't want to use carefully regulated classical conditioning methods like food rewards or like negative electric shocks. So they met the rats on sort of their own level. They knew that rats would play with each other. So this researcher, Annika Reinhold, started getting them used to her by petting and tickling them which I learned that rats giggle when they're tickled at really high frequencies that we can't hear. But they love oh, it. Yeah. They love to be tickled. Can they hear um, each other giggling? I think so. Oh, good. After some training, all six rats learned how to seek. So their starting enclosure was closed, and then it would open up remotely, and there would be a human hidden in the room. Then they would scurry around and, and like vocalize, and check past hiding spots and, like, seek out the human and then get really excited when they found them, executing what are known as joy jumps or sprung.
0: Oh, my goodness.
2: <laughs> so they were having a lot of fun. And five out of six of them also learned to hide if their starting box was open and the human was nowhere to be found. So they would, like, sneak around, pick a hiding spot, stay still, and silently wait to be found. And sometimes when the human found them, they would like run away before getting their tickle reward and hide again because they were having so much fun. And they were just like, I want to keep playing. And so then they would hide again. (laughs) So it was really, really interesting. One, because hide and seek seems like a sort of more complicated game than play fighting because there are separate roles. There are more rules involved, but humans were still able to train them. And they noticed that when rats are conditioned with food, they're usually silent and can tirelessly perform hundreds and hundreds of trials. But these rodents were really eager to play and really mm. tired when the block of games were over. So they were like giving their all to this task and then being tired afterward. Wow. So it's like really heartening to see how happy these rats were, but also like sad to see how other trial rats um, <laughs> right. are not necessarily living their best lives.
1: It's a lot of competition to get into the the giggle fight rat study.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) at work today I got tickled and got to play hide and seek.
1: What did you do? Well, the bottom of my cage is electrocuted.
2: So mostly I just found this really endearing and play is cute and good. And we don't know exactly what its evolutionary purpose is, but we know that it's really important.
0: The rats have games when they're not in captivity. Do they know or?
2: Yeah, I think they're pretty playful. A lot of mammals are really playful um, and demonstrate a lot of play behaviors so rats i think do a lot of this they like tussle and hide and pounce on each other so sort of similar to things that you'd see a cat or a dog Mm -hmm. or other pets do
3: you said some of the rats are also seeking but do they seek other rats and then tickle them or are they like seeking (laughs) the humans
2: it's a human rat game so Uh the rat is either the seeker or the hider and then a human is the other person (laughs)
0: That is a good question if rats can tickle each other. Do we know the answer to that?
2: Probably. I don't know. I hope so. I feel like the (laughs) way we measured their high-pitched tickly Uh, giggles, it's because humans were tickling them. But I imagine that they giggle because they tickled each other at some point and they were like, hee hee (laughs)
1: hee. They giggled before the first (laughs) human-induced giggle. One has to assume.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. okay.
1: All right, Stefan, what do you got? So, one of the very important skills in
3: life is uh, empathy. Uh, so, just understanding and experiencing the emotions of other people. A team at the University of Wisconsin Madison was wondering if they could use games to help teach people empathy. And so, they developed this game called Crystals of Kador that was designed to teach empathy to middle schoolers specifically. And they had mm-hmm. 150 kids in the study, 75 played this game. And 75 played a control game. The sort of premise of the game is that you're, I think you're a robot and you've crash landed on this alien planet and you don't speak the same language as these aliens. And so you have to build emotional rapport with them in order to like gather the parts of your spaceship and then presumably like put it back together and get, get back home or whatever. It just so happens. Luckily enough, these aliens have extremely human and expressive faces and so all the key mechanics of the game are about identifying what emotion they're feeling and how intensely they're feeling it. They had the kids play the game for an hour, about an hour a day for two weeks, and in fMRI scans after those two weeks, I think all of the kids who had played the game showed improved neural connectivity in the brain regions associated with empathy and perspective taking. But some of the kids also had more connectivity in emotional regulation brain regions. Those kids improved their scores on empathic accuracy tests. And so they had taken those tests before and then after playing the game, Mm -hmm. they did better. So kind of showing that like The game worked for them, but it doesn't necessarily work for everyone. But the idea behind this and, like, why they're targeting middle schoolers specifically is, like, you know, it's a time of life when your brain's still developing, you're learning these social Mm -hmm. skills, and it could be really helpful for children who are on the autism spectrum or just generally have trouble with empathy and social skills. But the idea is to show that it can be impactful and then maybe inspire the game industry to like include more empathy based things in games because that was the thing that I was thinking about while reading this is like no there's no game that I have played that uses empathy as a mechanic it's like can you Hmm. like click on this thing faster than the other person clicked on this thing or in RPGs you're like I'm going to use my charisma skill to, like, get a good deal on these (laughs) basculus toenails. But you just roll a die.
2: Stefan, you've played Rust, right? Uh Uh-huh. That Mm -hmm. caused a big ruckus uh, because its character generator is automatic. And so you can't choose the race or gender of your character. Mm -hmm. And you're locked Mm -hmm. into it for the whole game. And, like, game scholars and sociologists were interested in that because it's, like, Some people pick an avatar that resembles them and some people pick an avatar like men will pick a sexy woman or something because that's what they want to look at while they're playing a game. But this took all control out of the player's hands and like forced you to be a person and Mm -hmm. hopefully Mm. in some way teach you empathy or just like see how it plays out in this survivalist game.
0: People were really mad about it too, I
3: I remember. Yeah, Yeah, I
2: think so. People were like very pissed (laughs) (laughs) they couldn't change their character.
1: No empathy was developed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got uh, in 2019 neuroscientists teaching rats how to play hide and seek by rewarding them only with tickles or we've got Stefan with a game developed for middle schoolers where you have to understand the facial expressions of aliens to develop empathy. Sam, are you ready to vote with me? Yeah, I am. Three... Two, one, Mix mixing them mm. up again. I like Steph. <laughs> I like this useful tool. It seems like a game I'd like to play. Also, <laughs> I'm worried about my own child, mm. also his entire generation, and I want them to be able to understand people who in the world. Yeah. Think. Are you
2: saying you wouldn't want to play hide and seek with a mouse? Because I sure would, <laughs> yeah. or a yeah. rat.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no, I want to giggle the heck out of some rats, and I want to. I want some kind of. Uh, some kind of headphones that let me hear them giggle, mm-hmm. that Ooh. I don't know why that hasn't been developed yet, but I def- <laughs> I think that, that the, our sort of, like, species-level appreciation for rats would go way up if yeah. that was possible. Oh. oh, yeah. I picked Ceres because it delighted yeah, me so Yeah, it was really delightful. Your
0: reasons were extremely compelling once I heard them, and, <laughs> and uh... <laughs> Probably Steffens is more important for the world.
1: (laughs) Now it's time to ask the science couch. We've got some listener questions for our couch, in quotation marks, of finally honed scientific minds. This is from at Sciences and Art. Why do we get so riled up about games?
2: This is like a psychologically (laughs) uh, complicated question. and. I tried uh-huh. to do reading, and I recruited Deboki to try to do reading, and the answer yeah. is maybe just dopamine because, of <laughs> course, anything, As with so many things. it It, it, it is the answer yeah. to everything, 42 and dopamine. Our brains apparently have a tough time separating games from reality, and that's partially because of game design. Like, it wants you to become invested in winning or losing, <laughs> but also just we feel very big. And so chemically, in your brain, when you lose money in a board game, Dopamine neurons will start firing, and when you win, you get the release of, of, like, those same hormones that bring you joy and pleasure and feeling good. So, like we were saying in the definition phase, game playing is, like, learning different sets of rules and learning behaviors um, and accomplishing those behaviors and learning from the consequences of your actions. And those are all important parts of development in other regions of your life. So, like, you learn from the consequences of your actions In real life, if you touch a hot burner and you burn your hand Mm -hmm. and you learn from Mm -hmm. the consequences of your actions in soccer, if you kick the ball, not to a player, but like far off field, I assume that that's a bad thing. That's like my most general (laughs) bad thing I can think of with soccer. And, And those drive the same general learning behavior like, oh, that thing is bad. I should not do it again. And dopamine is a key hormone involved in those kind of reinforcement learning pathways.
0: From like a fan's perspective, what what are they getting so worked up about when they're watching a game though? That's the identity part.
2: Yeah, I feel yeah, I, like that is the identity part as part of a fan. This I did less research into, so I'm pulling from very old knowledge. But uh-huh. when you become the fan, a fan of something, you forge community around it in the same way that you see in, like, internet fandoms, for example. And so when good or bad things happen to the object of your fanishness, <laughs> then you, like, have emotional responses to that. You have right. this parasocial relationship. With that mm-hmm. uh, person or that team, which is just like a fancy psychological way to say that you feel like you know them mm-hmm. really, really well because they've shared parts of their lives with you, but they don't know anything about you. And so you feel like you like know your football players stats, you know who's been traded onto the team, you know how to cheer for them. And mm-hmm. that way their performance really affects you emotionally, even though like what you do doesn't affect them at all.
1: Well, if you want to ask your Science Couch question, follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents, where we will tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Thank you to at PKLakeMama, at LittleGreyFish, and everybody else who tweeted us your questions this episode. Final sandbox scores... Everybody's got two points except Sam, who's got oh, one. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's really easy to do that. You can leave us a review wherever you listen. It's super helpful and it helps us know what you like about the show. Second, you can tweet out your favorite moment from this episode and you can tag us, please, and let us know. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell, tell people, people about us. us. Thank you for joining us. I have been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stefan Chin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents <laughs> is a co-production of Complexly and the Wonderful team at WNYC Studios. It's created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who also edits a lot of these episodes along with Hiroko Matsushima. Our editorial assistant is Deboki Trokovardi, our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish, and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you, and remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted.
2: One more thing. In 2013, an engineer at the video game company Valve was playing around with creating two different kinds of controllers. One like a retainer that you stick in your mouth and use your tongue to manipulate and click. And one that you stick (laughs) under your butt and lean or twirl to move around or pan the camera or things like that.
3: Sometimes you just need two extra buttons.
2: (laughs) 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 Ah, One for each cheek.